Open up to 1 Samuel 30 in verse 1. 1 Samuel 30 in verse 1. We're going to kind of switch gears today. I know we've been talking about perfectly whole on Sunday mornings. Uh, But today I want to preach a a message for you uh, that I feel like God gave me on Friday. And it's for all of us in here. Not just because of what happened this weekend and uh, the celebration of the life of Jacob. But uh, this message uh, is for the rest of your life. And it it can help you the rest of your life. Whether it's this situation or another situation, uh, you need to learn what we're going to say today. And I feel like God gave me this specifically for us today. So 1 Samuel 30, in verse 1, it's a story about David and his mighty men. And it said, Now it happened when David and his men came home to Ziglag on the third day. They found that the Amalekites had raided their country and overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and all that were there, both small and great, and they killed no one but carried them off to be used as slaves and went their way. And when David and his men came to the town, it was burned. So this is their home. They came home and it was burned to the ground. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him, these mighty warriors, raised their voices and wept until they were too exhausted to weep any longer. Now David's two wives had been captured. And uh, I'm not going to read their names. That's another message about David's two wives. Um, that's not the point. Verse six, further, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him for all of them were embittered each man for his sons and his daughters. But notice this, but David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord, his God. Now turn it back to that verse again, cause they, they didn't get it yet. Let me read this once again. David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. Next verse. David said to uh, whatever his name is, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring me the ephod. So he brought him the ephod, which that was a priestly garment. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this band of raiders? Will I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue You will certainly overtake them, and you will certainly rescue the captives. Notice that. David said, shall I pursue, shall I overtake them? And God said, pursue, for you will certainly overtake them, and you will certainly rescue the captives. Another translation says, you will certainly recover all. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is How to Respond to Life's Challenges. How to Respond to Life's Challenges. Now, we live in a fallen world, a sinful world. You guys know that. You don't have to be alive very long to realize that you live in a fallen world that's under sin. It's under the dominion of the devil, the God of this world. He's not our God, but he is the God of this world. And there is challenges and trials that come to everyone in life. Some ask for, some not ask for. But it really is important how we respond to life's challenges. You know, there's different things that can happen uh, that are very traumatic or challenging. It could be a death. It could be bankruptcy. It could be a tragedy. It could be abuse. It could be the loss of a relationship. It could be all sorts of things Those things happen in this life. It says that there is things that happen to the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. We live in a planet that there is trials and tribulations. But the good news is Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. But that doesn't mean we still don't have those things happen to us. He just said we can be an overcomer and a victorious person through it. So we need to understand how do we respond to life's Challenges. Now, once again, this is not just because of what just happened. This is for your everyday life. This is for the rest of your life. Because if it's not this, it will be something else in the future. That the enemy will bring along your path to challenge you, challenge what you believe, challenge what you think, challenge what, what uh, your life is going to be like, challenge your future. It's going to happen to all of us in here. 
And so how do we respond to life's challenges? I've heard it said like this before. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% on how you respond to it. So I want you to know today, you cannot always control your life and the circumstances in your life. You can't always control that. A lot of times, especially when it pertains to other people, you can't control it at all. Now, I know you can control some things in your own life, but you don't have complete control over every circumstance, every challenge, every situation in your life. So 10% is what happens to you in life, but 90% is how we respond to it. So we can't always control our circumstances or what happens to us, but here's the good news. We can always control our response to it. That's what you have control over. And let's get real. How you respond to challenges and tragedy is life or death on how the rest of your future is going to go. Sometimes we don't think it's that big a deal how we respond when things happen that are, that are bad, that are evil, that are not good, that are challenging, that are uh, very difficult to get through. But it's life and death how we respond to it. It determines our future. So it's 10% of life is what happens, but 90% is how we respond to it. We can always control our response. And we're a faith church, and we are faith people. Now, we're not just faith people when everything's going right. We're faith people all the time. Now, if you're just a faith person when everything's going right, you're not really a faith person. You're a situational faith person. You're a real faith person is when you still believe God when somebody dies. When you still believe God and you get the divorce. When you still believe God and you went bankrupt. And you still believe God when you're depressed. That's a real faith person. And your future is determined by how you respond to life's challenges. Your future is determined by how you respond to life's challenges. So the reason I said we're faith people, because I'm reminding us, our response should be a response of faith. Our response when we're facing life's challenges should always be a response of faith. Now, I'm going to talk about two different responses that we should give when something happens to us, a challenging situation, a traumatic event, all sorts of those things I mentioned, when life's challenges or circumstances come against us and it's not what we want, how do we respond? We should respond in faith. So I'm going to talk about two different responses that we need to give when these things happen in our life. And these two responses are responses of faith. Now I'm going to give you a heads up. When you're in a challenging situation, you're not going to feel like doing either of these things. Here's a little disclaimer. All of your feelings and emotions and thoughts are going to be going this direction. But faith responses are going to be heading this direction. I just want to lay that out before you because if you're waiting for a feeling to do these things, you're not going to get through that situation. You're not going to have victory over it, and your future's not going to be the way you want to it because you're not responding in the right way. You're not responding in faith. So that's my little disclaimer before I talk about these things. You're not going to feel like doing either one of these things, but they're faith responses. And how many know faith is not a feeling anyways? <laughs> we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we love it when we're feeling it and it's feeling good. But we're not always feeling it. What is faith? Faith is believing when you don't see it, when you don't feel it, when you don't think it, when it's not working out the way. That's faith. It wouldn't be faith if you could see it and you could feel it and you wanted to do it right then. So faith should be our response. And faith is a choice. So 
your feelings are not going to want to do this, but how do you respond to life's challenges? How many would like to know how to respond to life's challenges? Anybody? You want to know how to respond to life's challenges because I know all of you don't want to get stuck there the rest of your life. And how you respond to life's challenges determines whether you'll have victory or defeat. Whether you'll be stuck there or get on the other side of that situation. It's all determined by our response. Once again, you can't always control all the circumstances and all the situations in your life. You can't. We're not in heaven yet. If we're in heaven, okay. But we're not in heaven yet. We live in a fallen world, a sinful world. We live in a planet that is under the dominion of the enemy. There's other people that are involved that are, that are not a lot of times doing what they should be doing, and they hurt other people. There's a lot of different reasons why things happen the way they happen. But you got to understand, just because you can't control and stop every circumstance and everything from turning out a certain way, you can always control your response. And here's a promise for us today. If you respond in the right way, you will overcome. If you respond in the right way, you can have victory. If you respond in the right way, that's your choice, not God's. You can get to the other side of everything. Might not feel like it, but you can. Do you guys believe that today, what I just said? If you respond the right way. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning is, these are two faith responses when life gives challenges to you. The first one is our words. Our words. We respond to life's challenges by faith with our words. You know, uh, I love David in the Bible. I know a lot of you love David too. He's probably the most well-known person in the Bible other than Jesus. And I love David because he was a musician. I like that part of him. He wrote songs, but he was emotional. And he felt it. Now, I relate to that because I'm like that. I feel stuff. I can be emotional. Don't laugh. <laughs> so I relate to David. David felt it. He felt the good. He felt the bad. He felt a lot of things. Read the Psalms. We'll get into that in a second. Read the Psalms. He felt a lot of things. He even wrote it down how he was feeling to God. So I'm a feeling person. I mean, that's what makes me a good pastor. I can feel it. I've always been like that. I, I got a lot of feelings. I feel stuff. I can cry. I can laugh. I can get angry. All the above. Real easy. Because I feel stuff. Now, some of you who are not feelings people, I don't get you. I wasn't going to say I don't like you. I kind of wanted to say that but I don't get you. Because you know what? I just feel like you guys are just cold-hearted sometimes. Just a little bit of, you're just too stoic in your face. Like, smile, frown, something. Don't just give me even. Do something. Laugh, cry, yell, whisper, something. Just don't give me monotone, straight face, I'm never moved by anything. Get out of here with all that. Have a heart. Have some compassion. Have some emotions. Hey. So, I'm not saying this is the word of God. I'm saying this is my personal opinion about some of these things. So, I don't relate to some of you guys with the straight faces all the time, no matter what situation. I don't get, I don't get you guys. Now, also, you don't need to be a roller coaster of emotions. That's the other side of it, which people like me, we could tend to be over here. That's equally as wrong. But I'm just saying, I don't get, a, get non-expressive people. Do something. Just inflect your voice a little bit when you talk or anything. Put an emoji with your text message. Don't just give me a straight text message. I don't know your tone. 
something fun, something emotional that we know what's going on. Okay, I'm, I'm down a trail that, that it's not related. So anyways, David was an emotional person. He felt it, the good and the bad and the ugly. And he wrote it down. It's in the Bible. It's the whole book of Psalms. So David, in the book of Psalms, he would write all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, talking about, God, I feel this way. God, I want, I want you to go kill my enemy. I mean, he just had a real prayer life. God, I want you to knock the teeth out of my enemy. He said that in the book of Psalms. Uh, God, I'm feeling depressed. God, I'm feeling hopeless. God, my enemies are after me. And the thing is with David, he would be real about what he was going through. But if you keep reading the book of Psalms, he would always continue it up after he said that about how he was feeling, what he was going through with statements of faith. And see, that's a lot of times we don't believe that we can be real and faith people at the same time. But you can. (laughs) A lot of times we don't believe that we can be real and genuine about what we're going through and still be a faith person. But we can. And that's proven in the life of David. David wasn't denying how he was feeling, what he was going through, but he didn't let that control his response. He would say, yeah, God, I'm depressed, and I'm hopeless feeling right now, but you know what? He would follow it up with a statement in his mouth, his words, and say, but God, I know you're going to help me. And I know where my help comes from, and I know where my joy comes from, and I know my peace comes from. I'm not denying how I feel right now, but I'm saying I know where my help comes from. And that was his faith speaking. And that was him giving a faith response with his words to God. So you can be real about what you're going through and also a faith person at the same time. That's what we see in the life of David. He exemplified that or maybe he he would say you know God I want you to do this to my enemy and I can't stand them right now and then later on he would say God you know I pray for peace I pray for joy I pray that you would keep me I pray that you would protect me because he was speaking his faith and so how do we respond in life's challenges well we respond with a faith response and we respond with the words of our mouth we have to speak words of faith when we don't feel it in a challenging situation because our words of faith will pull us through those situations and we have to speak what we want not what we have we have to speak where we're going not where we're at right now we have to speak words of faith even though we don't feel it right then to receive the promises of God And we see that from the life of David. David was real about what he was going through, but he was also a faith person. See, that's what's wrong with a lot of us in here. You got the real part down, but you don't got the faith part down. David complained to God. David was mad at God. David went off on God sometimes. But the point is he didn't stay there. Do that all you want, but don't stay there. Follow it up with some faith. (laughs) Say, God, maybe I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe you're going to help me. Maybe I can't understand this right now, but I trust you. Maybe I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation, but I know I'm going to get to the other side. That's your faith speaking. And your faith is your response through your words. So 1 Samuel 30, let's look at it again. And I think I'm going to jump down to maybe... Verse 6, 1 Samuel 30, and uh, maybe around verse 6. So uh, before we read this, just a little context. So David and his mighty men went out to fight other people, but while they were gone, they came home, and the enemy had burned their whole city down, burned their houses to the ground, took their wives and took their children away. And when they came back, they had been fighting with David. They've been trying to pursue the right things. And 
They came back and their whole city was burned down. Now, let's just put in context. If you came home, your house was burned down, and your family was gone, how would you feel right then? But for David, it's amplified because it's not just his house and his wife and kids. It's everybody that was with him. So it's amplified because he's the leader and everybody's looking to David. And, of course, their response was they wept till they couldn't weep any longer. Grief, sorrow, pain. But then it adds to David's distress because all the people that went with David said, we're going to kill you now, David, because it was your idea to leave the town, to leave our, our, our wives and our children, and to go fight other people. It's your fault, David. Mr. Man of God, David, are you led by God's spirit? Well, you just led us the wrong way. So that's what kind of situation David's in. Not only is he mourning for his own wife, own kids, all the mighty men's wives and kids, but he's mourning because all his best friends that fought with him said, we're going to kill you now, David. How would you feel right then? But David, who was a man after God's own heart, he knew how to respond right. So this is what it says, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. It says, but David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. Now, let's turn it back one verse. Yeah, right there. I want to talk about that for a second. It says, David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. There is... um, Something in this verse that the Amplified brings it out a little bit. He felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. But in other translations, it talks about David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I, I don't want this translation to fool you into thinking that David was just sitting there and then he just felt better. But he wasn't doing nothing. He just felt God's presence came over him and, oh, I feel strengthened and I feel encouraged and I feel better now. That's what that translation looks like, but that's not what the real meaning of it is. The real meaning in that verse, a lot of times it will say in the New King James or the King James, it will say that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Or it says David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Meaning that David was all alone and he had to do something and he had to respond to get through that situation. And he didn't have the feelings come first. It was a a choice he made to strengthen and encourage himself in the Lord his God. And how did David do that? He did it with his words. Come on now, somebody. He did it with his words. How did David strengthen and encourage himself? He did it with his words. One translation could say, David preached to himself. Now, it's good that you like great preachers. I love great preachers. I listen to preachers all day, every day of my life. But you need to get to the point that if your podcast doesn't work and your CD player doesn't work and you can't even find your Bible right then, you need to get good at preaching to yourself. And you need to become your own favorite preacher. Because there's going to come a time and a day that there's going to be nobody to pat you on the back. There's going to be nobody to anoint you with oil. There's going to be no worship team. There's going to be no sound system. It's going to just be you and God. And you're going to have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You're going to have to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. You're going to have to learn to preach to yourself about you what you know to be true. Now, I didn't say what you feel. Because what you feel is real, but not necessarily true. You're going to have to learn to preach the truth to yourself despite your feelings and emotions. I'm preaching myself happy. So you've got to learn to preach to yourself. Now, how do you do that? Your words. How do we respond to life's challenges? We respond in faith by our words. And what you're saying is probably going to be the opposite of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and what you're going through. But you're going to need to respond in faith. 
Are you getting something this morning? Preaching to yourself. All of you are preachers in here. And you got to learn to get good at preaching to yourself. Here's something else. Oh, this isn't in my notes, but I'm feeling it now. You got to start putting the Word of God in you when everything's going right. Because then when stuff happens, you could be looking. There ain't nothing to pull up in here. There's, there's no reserve of word or prayer or worship or anything in here. I'm empty, so I, I don't have anything to pull up and preach to myself. But the good news is if you're putting the word of God in you right now, when everything's going right, it will be there when you need it the most. And a scripture will come up, and a worship song will come up, and your prayer language will come up, and a word in season will come up because you've been putting in it in it when everything was going right. And so when something happens, you'll know how to encourage yourself, strengthen yourself, preach to yourself, because you put the word of God in you right now. How many know David wrote all these psalms? So he had a lot in here to pull from. <laughs> all these psalms we read from David. So when life happened, he knew where to go. He knew who to call on. He knew what to say. He knew how to worship because he had been putting it in him. I want to say something else about church, and I was thinking about this recently, uh, the past few days. Do you know why you come to church? Now, you don't come to church to be religious. You don't come to church so God will love you more. You don't come to church because, I don't know if you think like the people on the front row are looking and are like, ooh, I think, I think less of them because they weren't here last Sunday. Because some people come to church for that. Well, I feel bad because everybody will think I'm not a good Christian if I don't come to church. Wrong, 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 wrong. Reasons. You know why you come to church? You come to church because you're getting training. You're getting trained. So every time you're here, you're getting trained and ready to go. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, Amzie, he was in the military. There's a reason they train, they train, they train, they train, they train. And they don't, they're, not doing it they're not doing it because of other people. They're not doing it because anything else. They're training for a reason. And the reason the military trains and trains and trains and trains is this. When the bullets start flying... When the bombs start going off, they'll know what to do. That's why you train. There's a reason they train. Same way with church. You're thinking, why do I come to church so much? Because you're being trained. So when the bombs start going off and the bullets start flying and the fiery darts start going, you're not running scared. You were trained for this. And you say, oh, I know what to do because I've been trained for this. Oh, I got the word in me. I've been trained for this. Why do you have all those training sessions for? So you'll know what to do when the battle starts. So you come to church to get trained. Every time you're here, we're like working out spiritually. So you're ready for when life's challenges happen. That's why you're here. So it's not just a religious activity or so God will love me or so people in the community will think I'm a better person because I go to church. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Who cares what other people think? I come to church because I need it. I come to church because I want to. I come to church because I'm training for my future. So why do we train? Why are we here? So we're ready when challenging situations come. We're challenged because things are happening in our life, but we go, I'm ready for this. I didn't spend all these Sundays at Church on the Rock and fill up Bible school notebooks for nothing. What would you do it for? I'm ready. 
and I know Amsie could attest to this being in the military, the people that aren't trained, they're the ones that are trying to run away from the battle. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out. But the ones that have been trained so well, I'm ready for this. What have we been working on all this time? Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Prayer time after prayer time. In the Bible when I didn't feel like it all this time. So when the battle and the challenging situation comes, I've been training. I'm ready for this. Come on, are you getting something so far today? So that's why we come to church. So we have something in us to encourage ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, to talk to yourself. You know, it's not weird to talk to yourself. You guys need to talk to yourself more often. It really just depends on what you're saying to yourself is the problem. But all of you need to talk to yourself more often. And you need to tell yourself what the word of God says about you. You need to tell yourself who you are in Christ. You need to tell yourself about your future. You need to tell yourself about your hope. You need to preach to yourself the word of God. So how do we respond to life's challenges? We respond in faith by our words. You get something so far today. Let this be an example to you. You know, when uh, Dr. Dufresne passed away, um, you know, it was a situation. It was a shock to all of us. Because it was a sudden thing that happened. And we all felt a certain way about it. And it hurt. But if you listen to dad talking about it, there's a nugget of truth in there. You remember the story? There's a nugget of truth in there. He said when Dr. Dufresne passed away and he got the call, I think he was in a hotel room far away from everybody in Texas. And how many know challenges and situations of life, sometimes they just literally knock you off your feet? Hello. You're just like, what in the world's happening? You're spinning. Your mind's spinning. Your body's spinning. But there's something he said there, and I'm still talking about your response, your response in faith, and your response being words. For a second there, dad was in that hotel room by himself. He got the call about Dr. Ephraim passing away suddenly in a plane crash. Now, what does he say in that story? There's a nugget of faith in the story if you listen to what he said. He told you how he felt. He was being real. He said he felt depressed. He felt like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with my future. How can I live without Dr. Ephraim in my life? That's the way he felt. He said that. That's real. But you know what he did? He said he went into the hotel room, the bathroom, and he looked at himself. Now, what is this? This is a faith response to challenging situations with your words. What did he say? He didn't feel like it. He didn't think that way. He was all over the place right then. He looked himself in the mirror, and what did he say? Michael, we're going to believe God. You remember that story? He said it a bunch of times. What was that? He was giving you a nugget of truth to deal with challenging situations that you need to speak your faith when you don't feel it, when you don't see it, when your, your head is just spinning, you don't know what's going on, you don't know how you're going to get through something. You need to open your mouth and say something. And not just say what's going on, say words of faith. Say where you're wanting to go. Say what you're wanting to happen. And all he could say right then was, Michael, we're going to believe God. Notice, he wasn't even to the place to tell God what he was believing for yet. <laughs> How many have been there? I ain't even ready to believe God for something yet. I'm just telling myself I'm going to believe God. Let's just start there first. And he pointed at himself and said, Michael, we're going to believe God. That's a faith response. And you know, God helped him. Got him on the other side of that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't miss Dr. Dufresne. All of us in here, if you think long enough, you're going to be sad about it. You miss him. But we got on the other side of it. So that's a faith response. I want to give you a couple more examples of a faith response and we'll go to the second part. You guys get something today? So we respond in faith by our words. In Genesis 1, there's an account of creation and God 
was in the beginning. He said everything in the beginning was dark. It was formless and void. Just the first couple of scriptures in the Bible talks about God because God is a faith God. And he made us in his image and likeness. So we're faith people. God is a faith God. And you see something happened. God in the beginning was faced with a challenging situation. It says that all of creation, there was no such thing as really the the earth as we know it. It said that the universe was dark and formless and void. And there wasn't anything happening there. And so that was a challenging situation for God. And God looked at it, and God said, sure is dark. I don't see a way out of this. I sure wish uh, life would be different, but uh, I guess it's just going to be dark the rest of my future. Now, if God said what he was feeling right then, that's what he would say. And you know what? The, The universe would still be dark, and we wouldn't be here. But God's a faith God. Mm -hmm. He spoke a response of faith in his words. And he said not what he saw. He said what he wanted to see. He didn't say what he felt. He said what he wanted. He said, I'm going to speak this into existence. And God said, light be and light was. And the same is true for us. We are created in the image of likeness of God, and we have ability to speak words of faith and respond to life situations like that. But notice, we don't say what we don't want or what we're feeling right now. We say what God says about us. We say what we want. We say where we're going. We speak our future, and that faith and those words will pull you to the other side of that challenging situation. Come on, are you hearing me today? So we respond by faith. And we respond with our faith by our words. There's no such thing. If you say you're a faith person and you never speak it, you're not. There's no such thing in the Bible as somebody who just, I just believe in my heart. No, you don't. The Bible's very clear. It has to be in your heart. And in your mouth, if it's real faith. The thing is, we're already good at, good at it already, just in the negative. What's the big deal? You're already speaking stuff out of your heart all the time. It's just not good stuff. But when you put the right stuff in there, then when challenging situations happen, you're speaking words of faith. So, I'm not going to read the rest of this story, but just to let you know. So, David encouraged himself... He preached to himself. He spoke out words of faith in that challenging situation. And then he went to God and he prayed. And he told God, should we pursue these guys? Should we even try to overtake them because they burned our city down? They took our our wives and our kids. And you know what God said back? Because he was in faith. Now, I don't think God would have said this if David was still over in the corner talking negative and crying. Now, you can cry and still be in faith. But I'm saying if if David didn't respond this way, I don't think God would have said what he said to David. But after he responded in faith to God in this challenging situation, God told him, I want you to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Notice what happens when you respond right to God. God says, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Can I speak that to some people in here today? You might be in a challenging situation, but God says if you respond in faith and use your words, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Yeah, he took some things away from you, but recover it all. Get it all back. Get restoration. Let God restore some things. Pay the devil back for what he did to you. Don't just sit there and take it. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. Come on now, somebody. But notice that only happens when we respond in faith with our words. Because that gives God the ability to work with us. 
The second thing I want to talk about today is worship. Mom actually quoted my verse before I quoted my verse. Talking about worship. Let's read 2 Samuel 12 in verse 18. Now this is David. Once again, David faced a lot of challenging situations in his life. But if you know something about David, he always made it through. He always came out on top because he responded right. How many know there's a lot of people in the Bible that didn't respond right? And the rest of their life, the story's not good. But David, even though he made mistakes, he sinned, he blew it a lot of times. He was always quick to respond right and repent to God so God could work with him. So this is actually the account of David losing his son. 2 Samuel 12, verse 18, it says, Then on the seventh day the child died, and David's advisors were afraid to tell him, and he wouldn't listen to the reason why the child was ill. They said, What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked, yes. They replied, he is dead. Notice this. Then David got up. David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, changed his clothes. Goodness, this, this uh, scripture will preach. Changed his clothes. He went to the church, tabernacle, and he worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and he was served food and he ate. His advisors were amazed and we don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and you're eating again. And David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day but he cannot return to me. Can we back up a few verses? One more. Yeah, let's just leave this up here. But notice it says, David got up. Now, we're talking about responding to life's challenges. Now, the first thing we talked about is you got to respond in faith by your words. The next thing is you got to respond in faith by your worship. Notice, it says, David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotion, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle, which is the church, the house of God, and he worshiped the Lord. Let's leave that verse up there. He worshiped the Lord. You know, David was known because he was a worshiper. And I believe with all my heart, not only because of his words, but David was a worshiper so God could bring him through all those situations. There's a lot of people in the Bible where they were too prideful to worship God. David wasn't. David didn't care. He didn't care that he was the king. He worshiped. He didn't care if his wife was embarrassed. He worshiped. He didn't care who he was. He still worshiped because he realized worship got me to where I am today. Worship got me through all these situations. So I don't care if I make you uncomfortable because you're grumpy and you want to sit there next to me in worship. I'm going to worship and praise God because I know that's my answer out of this situation. And it says that David changed his clothes. Now the Bible says... Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So that's a choice that you and I make. You can wake up every day and put on depression. You can put on anxiety. You can put on mourning. You can put on sickness. You can put on complaining. You can do that all day. But God says in his word, take off those garments of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. But you're either wearing one or the other. 
It's not God's choice. It's your choice. God lets you pick out your own clothes. You choose. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So he, he changed his clothes. He took a shower. He ate some food. And he went to the church to worship. To worship. Are you hearing me this morning? I felt like God said to me to this uh, um probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit further back. But it was a time and a, a season I was feeling a little overwhelmed, feeling uh, like, you know, you don't know what to do next, feeling like you don't know if you're going to make it through something. And I feel like God said, now we're talking about words, but we're now we're talking about worship. Now David worshiped the Lord. That's how he overcame and responded to life's challenges. But I felt this strongly in my heart that God said to me when I was dealing with some stuff. And I felt like I said to God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. He says, you're going to worship your way through it. You're going to worship your way through it. Can I say this today as your pastor? How are you going to get through the challenges of life? You're going to worship your way through it. How are you going to get over depression and anxiety? You're going to worship your way through it. How are you going to get over grief and sorrow? You're going to worship your way through it. How are you going to get over that relationship that didn't work out the, w- the right way? You're going to worship your way through it. How are you going to get through life when you got laid off and now you're bankrupt? You're going to worship your way through it. How are you going to get through anything in life? You're going to worship your way through it. That's why I want to encourage you today. Some of you guys need to step up your worship life. Maybe you haven't faced any life yet, but you're not going to make it unless you become a worshiper. And God told me, you're going to worship your way through it. When I said, I'm going to get through it, you're going to worship your way through it. I want to tell you a few things that worship does. Worship stills the enemy. It also says in the book of Psalms, talking about worship, when, when David would ask the congregation to worship God with him, he would say, come magnify the Lord with me. Come on, I'm helping myself today. I don't care about y'all. I'm helping myself today. No, I do care about y'all. I'm just joking. He said, come magnify the Lord with me. Why? Because when we worship, it takes the magnifying glass off of ourself. It takes a magnifying glass off our situations. It takes a magnifying glass off our depression. It takes a magnifying glass off of our, our anxiety. It takes a magnifying glass off of what we're going through. It takes a magnifying glass off of us, and we put it on God where it belongs. So then our problem gets smaller, and our answer gets bigger when we worship God. That's why he would say, come magnify the Lord with me. Why? Because if you're going to keep magnifying your situation in yourself, you're going to stay there. But you got to magnify him. And not that it makes him bigger. He's already as big as he'll ever get. But he becomes bigger to you. (laughs) And he gets your eyes off of yourself and your problem, and you get your eyes on the answer and the one who can actually help you. That's what worship does. Now, don't take this offensively because I'm not up on the platform anymore. Uh, I was going to say preaching, but worshiping. So I can't see you guys like I used to. But I used to. I'm not being mean when I say this, but let me challenge you for a second. When you come in here and you got your hands on the seat in front of you, or you got your hands like this and your face like this, and you look depressed and you look grumpy in your face and you look like you don't want to be here, 
I'm not saying you're not going through anything, but I'm saying what you're doing right then is magnifying your problem. I get it. I'm not saying you're not going through anything, but if you continue to be that way, the problem will keep getting bigger. And you're going to be stuck in life's challenges because you're responding wrong. But I see people over here going through all sorts of stuff worse than you. Worshiping. And I say, oh, they're getting their answer because they're magnifying the right thing. They're worshiping the right thing. I know what they're going through right now, but they're still lifting their hands. They're still worshiping. They're not coming in like, like something bad just happened. They're coming in worshiping God because they know worship is the faith response to life's challenges. So let me encourage you as your pastor, check yourself. Check your face. Oh, I'm not a singer. Let's get in the shower with you or in the car with you. You sing all sorts of trash. You can't worship God for a second. I'm just not a loud, expressive person. Take you to the U of L game. We'll see it's different. No, you're just magnifying the wrong thing. So when we worship, we magnify God. Instead of magnifying our situation, magnifying our problem, we magnify him. He becomes bigger. Our answer becomes bigger. And you know, when you're thinking about stuff like that, you can't help but go, huh? You can't be frowny thinking about the answer. You can't be just like, mm. knowing that God will help you. You know what that tells me when you act that way? You're not in faith. Because faith will respond with your words, but also with your worship. Come on, I'm about to wrap this up. You guys get something today. How do we respond to life's challenges with our words and with our worship? I want to tell you something about Jacob for a second. Can I tell you? Let's just honor him again today. You know, he had cancer multiple times. But you know, the first several times he had it, when he got supernatural healing of it, he would be on the front row with no hair because of treatments, chemo and radiation, with a chemo bag on his side with chemo going into him on the front row. And you know how he worshiped? He danced, he lifted his hands, he worshiped. And someone cut you off in traffic and you're going, I don't get it. I don't feel it today. I'm not expressive. No, you're backslidden. That's what you are. Give me a break. I've seen this man do a Holy Ghost jam with a bald head in a chemo bag. And we're acting like, eh, I can barely worship God. I've had such a rough week. How do you respond? It's all about your response. How do you respond to life's challenges? You can respond in faith or you can respond in fear. How do we respond to life's challenges? We're, we're going to respond in our words and in our worship. But why would Jacob do that? Because he was magnifying not his sickness. He was magnifying his healer. Getting his eyes off his feelings and his pains and get it onto God. He was magnifying him, his answer. So when we worship, we magnify God. David was a worshiper. That's how he got through his life. That's why when he buried his son, he could get through it because he went to the church and he worshiped. I got a few more things. Hopefully you're getting help today. There's an account in the Old Testament about worshipers that I love. It talked about God's people were going out to battle. And God told them, don't put the warriors out first. 
put the worshipers out first. And when you do that, God will fight your battle for you. <laughs> You're not even having to put the warriors out. They're not even using any energy. He says, put the worshipers out first. And when you put the worship out first, he said, when you start worshiping me, the musicians and the singers and the praisers, you put them in the front of the army. It says, when they started worshiping, the enemy was confused and started killing each other. And God says, when you worship me, I will fight for you. All you need to do is worship. Come on, is that true for the Old Testament? It's true for us today in the New Testament. When we worship, God fights for us. He fights our battles for us. We're not in this fight. God says, you just need to worship. And when you do, it confuses the enemy. Come on. You know what I thought today? Janet, when you were singing uh, that song, when we as a congregation today sang that song and we said, God, you're good, you're good, you'll never let us down, that was a slap in the face of the devil. Because we're not supposed to respond like that. You know how we're supposed to respond today? Not preaching faith anymore. It doesn't work. Guess we can't talk about healing anymore. It doesn't work. Let's not talk about victory anymore. It doesn't work. So a lot of people do. You had one bad experience. You're going to give up what you believe? But you know what pleased God today? Was that worship? It pleased God today when we as a congregation said, you're good. We know you're good. You never traded places with the devil. You're still good. And you'll never let us down. And every promise is still true. And you're still a healer. And you're still a provider. And you're still a deliverer. And you're still our everything. And you're still our peace. Come on now. And you're still our joy. That's what pleases God. When we worship, I know what that was the faith response. So, you know what? God's going to work on all of our behalf right now because we responded right and we responded in faith. Thank you, Jesus. One last verse, and we're actually going to let's get the worship team up here. Come on, we're going to sing a song before we leave. I want to talk about one last passage. So we talked about your response should be your words. But also your response should be worship. I love this passage. And actually we'll sing, we'll actually sing that song, Janet, in a second. I love this passage in Acts 16. It says talking about Paul and Silas. Anybody remember Brother Darrell's song? Paul and Silas in prison at midnight. There's a reason it says what it says in the Bible. And it says Paul and Silas were in prison. They had been beaten. They had been stoned. They were in prison. And it wasn't like a prison sentence like hey, you might get out tomorrow, we'll pay bail. Prison in that time was like, we're probably going to cut your head off tomorrow because other leaders in the early church had already died. But it says Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight. So they were in a challenging situation, in a depressing situation, in a tough situation. And it says that they worshiped God at midnight. The Bible says that Paul and Silas in a prison cell. They praised God and they prayed to God. They gave him worship. And it says when they did, everyone's bands were loosed. Notice not just their bands, everybody's bands were loosed. Your worship is bigger than you. 
Some people around you are never going to worship, but your worship can affect them. And maybe because you worshiped, everybody's bands are loosed. So this morning, you could feel a little heavy. You could feel a little sad. You could feel a little bit like they got some chains on you this morning. But it's true when we worship, when we praise, when we pray, everyone's bands are loosed. Notice when we respond to God like that in challenging situations. So let me encourage you, church family, as I close and we stand up and worship together, I want to encourage you when life happens, when challenging situations happen, we are going to respond in faith with our words and with our worship. And trust me, when you do that, you're going to get on the other side of it. You're going to have victory. You're going to overcome when we respond in faith. Come on, you guys get something today. Well, let's stand up and let's worship today.